Welcome to this new life podcast. It is our desire that you learn all of the benefits of the abundant life that you have in Jesus Christ, so you can live your life to its fullest. Listen and be encouraged. Hello, everybody. God bless you. I am so excited to share the Word of God with you. The Word of God, as we know, as we hear, is filled with life, filled with the doctrines of the Bible, filled with the precepts and principles, will and way of God. Every time I open the Bible, I am taught by the Holy Spirit from the Holy Scriptures. We don't look at this book as an ordinary book. This is God's Word. And there's many sermons that come from this platform, and they're all great. And I want to invite you into the way I go through the Word and how the Holy Spirit teaches me as I go through different parables or even a chapter, how I meditate upon it. So I pray the word I share with you today touches you, heals you, delivers you, brings you hope. The word of God does all of this all at one time. How powerful is the word of God? How powerful are the promises of God? All of you out there, all of us here, God sees us, knows us. He knows our situations and our circumstances, and he cares about us. Amen? So again, as the word is opened to you, may you see God's mercy and grace and care for you. Amen? Well, I want to take you to an incredible chapter, as they all are incredible. But this one really blesses me as I study the Word. I'm in John chapter 9. And so what I do with the the Bible, epistles included, I'll read a book, Ephesians, or whatever I'm studying at that time, and I will just read it through. And I will consider the backstory, the history, the place, the original audience, and then I say, Holy Spirit, teach me what it says to me now. How does that truth 2,000 years ago, how is it extracted and still eternal truth to me today when I'm not the original audience? But that is God's eternal word and how the Lord works through the word. Amen? Well, it's that way through all of the parables and the stories. There's the original story of the person who is being touched by God at that moment, but I'm that person being touched by God at that moment. So John chapter 9, it starts out. Now what I'll do is just read it through and then go back and share with you the truths that have touched my life, changed my life, where I see God is so awesome and powerful. John chapter 9, verse 1. Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must do the work of him who sent me while it is day, the night is coming when no one can work. 
As long as I am in the world, verse 5, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with his saliva. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Therefore, the neighbors of those who previously had seen that he was blind said, is not this he who sat and begged? Some said, this is he. And others said, he is like him. But the guy said, I am he. Can you imagine just standing there? Hey, just ask me. Yes, it's me. Verse 10, therefore, he said to them, to him, how were your eyes opened? Well, I'll stop right there because that is a whole different discourse. How were your eyes opened? A beautiful chapter that has the doctrines of the Lord, the kingdom of God has drawn near to us where he heals and delivers, where God is being God. <laughs> Hallelujah. How were your eyes opened? In, the, in verse 1, as I read this story and I say, it's so beautiful. And one day when we get to heaven, we're going to meet that man. Hey, you're the man from John chapter 9. But how does that story affect me and you? Because the same powerful God that visited this man spoke to him and saw his need is with us today in the glory and power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 1 says, now, as Jesus passed by. What does that mean? Well, in the original story, he passed by and saw this guy. But it means to me today that Jesus, the Holy Spirit, who Jesus said, I will not leave you as an orphan, but I will send the Holy Spirit to you, who will never leave you nor forsake you. He is here Yes, if you're born again, his spirit lives in you, but he is passing by. The move of God is passing by. He passed by and he saw a man who was blind from birth. Jesus sees us who cannot see him. What blindness are we talking about? A natural blindness? Yes, because he healed this man but a spiritual blindness, or people who cannot see. But Jesus sees you. He sees your condition. The man is blind. Maybe you're blind, and you can't see the goodness of God. You can't see the miracles of God. You're filled with bitterness and, and anger, but God sees your condition. We have the, the, the actual story, and then we have the precepts that come out of the page and speak to me today. So Jesus sees the man who cannot see him. Oh, that gives me peace knowing God sees me. He is the God who sees. Hallelujah. He saw this man, and God sees me, and God sees you. In verse 2, his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, verse 2 is so intense. 
Because the disciples want to know who's to blame. This is not rude to them to ask. Remember, the man is blind, not deaf. He can hear them. Who's to blame? We got to know who's to blame here so we can point a finger. Who's to blame? They probably didn't even say it rudely, like, oh, who's to blame? No compassion. We just want to know whose fault it is. Well, with all the judgment in the Old Testament, I mean, this is how they knew God. You know, the curse causeless shall not come, but Jesus came with grace and mercy and truth. The new covenant was within him where he takes all judgment now. Who's to blame? Who sinned? Oh, my goodness. And Jesus in verse 3 says, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. Before he heals him and gives him his sight, he gives him his dignity. Before he performs this miracle, the miracle of self-worth, is given to him. He sets the stage. Jesus said, nobody sinned here. I'm sure this blind man has never heard words like this. What, I, I'm not to blame. The Pharisees would definitely say, you're to blame, like you're, you're born in sin. What were the words this man heard all his life? What are the words you've heard all your life? This man was born this way. Mercy, compassion, grace. The new covenant of an empathy that we can't even fathom is now the kingdom is standing in front of this man. The glory of God is standing in front of this blind man. And of course, the blind man doesn't know it, but he can certainly hear what he has never heard his whole life. You are not to blame. Mm. And I say to you, however you were born, there are people, and I've heard it from platforms. I actually heard years ago a preacher say, wherever you're at in life, at this point in your life, it is your choice. Well, a little context would be nice. But I'm sure a little girl who was abused and has dealt with that her whole life, she's sitting and listening to you, can't relate to that. What, my, I'm, I'm at the place of my life where I've made my choices. There are victims. There are people born with situations and deformities, and, and we show nothing but love and mercy and God stands before you and says, you're not to blame. Now, there are some things in life that we can be blamed for. This is not one of them. And I learned that as I read the scriptures, it's compartmentalized. This man, this verse, Jesus in front of him is telling him and the disciples. The disciples who are following Christ being trained by God. Their lesson here is this man is not to blame. 
I, I know it doesn't say the man who was born blind started crying, but I know I would to hear that, to hear those words, to have compassion be spoken about me. So as the way of doctrine goes, as the way the Holy Spirit works, before a miracle comes in the sense of physical miracles, so often God, the miracle worker, is going to touch you in your esteem, in your self-worth. He's going to say, I love you, before he preaches to you. Not always. Sometimes the preaching comes first. But I notice that in Scripture. I notice his presence is there. I notice that when he goes to the woman at the well, he has a conversation with her. And his presence is there before his preaching is. His mercy is there before he deals with an issue of her heart, of her heart. So in this story, I learned so much from God and his character, and I'm only in verse 3. And Jesus said to the disciples, neither this man nor his parents sinned. Can you imagine the parents even got delivered here? What did they hear all their life? What did you do wrong? What did you do wrong to have a child like this? Jesus could have just said, no, this man didn't sin, but nobody sinned here. And then he says this, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. Now, however you say that, God made him sick so he could heal him. That's how many people say that. All I know is the next verse that Jesus speaks of the works of God. He speaks of a work he must do. And the end result is this man seeing. The work of God is to bless you. The work of God is to visit you. The work of God through the Holy Spirit is to come upon you. That you would be born again. And if you're born again, that you would go deeper into Christ. I must work the works of him who sent me. While it is day, oh, okay, so no one sinned here. No one's to blame here. You want to reveal yourself in this situation is what he's saying. God wants to reveal himself to you. How merciful is our God? How good is our God that he wants to reveal himself in the midst of your blindness, your physical blindness, whatever blindness, what? If you can't see Jesus, I pray your eyes are open. And I certainly pray in the context that a miracle touch you. God touches you and does physically heal you. And you're not to blame. So he speaks of what he's about to do as the work of God. Woo! Healing is the work of God. Showing compassion is the work of God. Speaking words that you're not to blame in this setting is the work of God. And correcting the disciples and the Pharisees eventually end up hearing this is the work of God. And then he says this work in verse 5 
is equated with as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. He is illuminating the truths of the kingdom in just five verses. This is theology. This is the character of God. These are moments with God. He's telling us who he is and what he wants to do. Years ago and now through this eternal word. And it blesses me. And this is how I read the word. And I'm in the story. I'm, I'm viewing it as someone on the sidelines. And then in my everyday life, I pray for people. Lord, may they have an encounter with you so they know the work of God. And yes, dear brothers and sisters, the work of God, first and foremost, is to know him and believe. But there are many healings that take place where God, like a calling card, he heals people who are not saved. He touches people. Pray for your, your relatives. Pray for people. This, is, this work here is not somebody who can, has confessed Christ. And as you see in the story, he doesn't even know who Jesus is. Jesus wants to heal your relatives who don't know him. He wants to visit your relatives. And in the story, Jesus finds the man and he says, do you believe in me? And he goes, who are you that I can believe in you? Are you the Christ? And Jesus introduces himself, but his presence and healing went before the introduction of his lordship. Oh, God does that all the time. All the time, all through scripture, he does it. So I know he does it now. He will have an encounter with you. Those in prison, he will have an encounter with you. You who say you are atheist, he will have an encounter with you. And he will touch you and he will bless you and he will visit you. He will introduce himself to you and then you will meet him as Lord. Whew. See the word is just so beautiful and in six verses or so we know God, we know intent, we know heart, we know his purpose. Praise be unto God. And so he declares, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So this illumination is happening. On so many layers, it's happening. More layers than I could possibly express to you today what is being revealed in these verses. I don't think I have the language for it, the depth of Scripture it just goes deeper and deeper and deeper. Who God is, who Christ is, the moves of God, the love of God. Everything is here within the scriptures. And every encounter that is recorded is an encounter God wants to have with you and with me. Hallelujah. So verse 6, when he had said these things, 
He spat on the ground and made clay with saliva. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay. Whew. Clay, huh? Takes us back to the beginning when he made man. God is always doing something with clay. Jesus. He's molding us. He's changing us. He's revealing himself. He's breathing into our nostrils. Oh, if we were only the man that God spat in dirt and applied to us. But we have the DNA of God. We are born of God. Oh. So, he anoints the eyes. There's a sermon in there about the salve of God and the anointing of God. And he tells the man what to do. Well, what do I learn here? He first introduces himself. He gives me my dignity. He sets the record straight that I thought I was to blame my whole life, feeling worthless because God has judged me. And then he tells me to do something. First, he does everything. He passes me by. I'm just sitting there. I mean, it's okay to go to meetings and, and seek God, and all of that is gorgeous. But in this story, the man is just there. You might just be there. God knows where you are. He knows you're right there. Blind, feeling a little worthless, and needing an encounter. <laughs> my own sermons make me cry. Isn't this funny? <laughs> I'm up here wiping my nose. Oh, because it's God's word. God's holy word. Oh, Jesus. Okay, verse 7. So he tells him what to do. God's going to tell you what to do. Yes, the, the cross is a completed work. He's not doing anything more. He died, he was buried, and resurrected in the sense of atonement. But God is moving all the time. And he might tell you to go do something. Well, he tells this man to go do something. That's just the sovereignty of God. God didn't have to do that, but he chose to do it this way. And I personally never question that. I find it interesting why he didn't just say be healed. But this is God. And so I just read the story and receive from the story and be in awe of my God who wants to spit in dirt and make clay. Hallelujah. So he tells him to go wash in a pool called Siloam, which is translated scent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. Well, for goodness sakes. He went and washed and came back seeing. It sounds like he obeyed God. <laughs> it sounds, we don't have any discourse where he said, what's this? Why do I have to go do this? Remember, nothing has happened just yet. He's only hearing God. He's only sensing the presence of God. And now God is telling him to go do something. I'm sure the man sat there and was just astounded at what he already heard. Words he had never heard. 
So he went and washed and came back seeing. Of course, we don't know who helped him there or how far away. I guess we could study where he was at this point and how far away this body of water was. But he came back seeing. You know, so what do I get from that? Well, when God speaks, I, does he tell me to praise? Does he tell me to give and sow in the day of famine? Does he tell me to release someone? God's always telling you to do something. He might just say, stand still and see my grace and glory work in your life. That's still telling you to do something. I always say this to people. God is boss. His word is the boss. If he tells you to dance before him, do it. If he says so, so. His word declares things to do. You don't do it to earn your salvation. That's a whole other sermon. But in this, I mean, Christ hasn't even died yet. But he is truth. He is grace. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he is mercy. And he is speaking. When he came on the scene in Mark 1, he said, the kingdom of heaven is upon you. The kingdom of God is here. And then he went to heal and expressing all that was in heaven, all that he is expressing on the earth. And the man came back seeing. And then we know from verse 8 and, and 9, people didn't believe it or they were shocked. Of course they were. How were your eyes opened? I don't know. God just touched me. He told me what to do. And he touched me. And this man repeats his story. I don't know. I don't know how this happened. And I won't go through all of it. I want you to go through the chapter. It's so beautiful. And it's got some good old drama and contention in it when the Pharisees are so mad can you imagine a miracle happens and somebody is mad that it happened? Oh, how blind. How blind. Because they didn't want to admit. The Jewish leaders did not want to admit this is the Messiah, God in the flesh. Pride will blind you every time. But the Holy Spirit is working. And so from... I would say verses 13 on, it's a little contentious, and, and the blind man says to the Pharisees, hey, you want to be his disciples? You keep asking me the same questions. You're interrogating me. Can you imagine interrogating somebody with malice who just got healed instead of throwing them a party and saying, let's praise God forevermore? Well, that didn't happen. They reviled him, and they were mad at him, and and in verse 30, it says, The man answered and said to them, Why, this is a marvelous thing, and you do not know where he is from? Yet he has opened my eyes. You're supposed to know everything. This is marvelous, and you don't even know him? If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. So the blind man healed definitely does not know this is the Messiah. He believes he's a prophet. But look down at verse 35. Jesus heard that they had cast the blind man, the one who got healed, out of the, the synagogue. And when he had found him, he said to him, do you believe in the Son of God? 
I love that question. From the master himself, God standing in front of this man. Do you believe in the Son of God? Verse 36, he answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? <laughs> is that not merciful? God is standing in front of you right now, and you don't even know who he is. He has angels to, to protect you. He has mercies to show you, goodness to bring your way, and you don't even know it's him. Oh, God, you are awesome. And I know we are in a strange time, and not everything is, not everyone gets healed, and we don't always see God's goodness. But yet, God's goodness is always there. His presence is always there. And if you will reach out to him, he will show up. So here, do you believe in the Son of God? And let me repeat that because it's so beautiful. He, he answered and said, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? In verse 37, and Jesus said to him, you have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. And Jesus said, for judgment I have come into the world, that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may be made blind. And that is definitely a parable, a metaphor, because when you say, I see, like these Pharisees. We see everything. You see nothing. When you say, I don't see, that's a humble heart, and God moves. So what do I learn from John 9? <laughs> and it's not just John 9. It's John 1. It's John 2. It's John 3. It never ends. John is hallmarked by Seven statements Jesus said about himself. They're called the I am statements. Seven sermons that go along, or discourses that go along with those seven I am statements, and seven miracles. The book expresses the deity of God and God walking amongst us, among us. All the books are this way. The whole Bible is this way. I'm, I will mainly say the New Testament. The Old Covenant is beautiful and we need to read it, but we are New Covenant believers and, of course, read the Old Testament. But as I'm speaking today is about the one who was prophesied in the Old is now walking. And now with us, these stories, and then when he leaves, he sends the Holy Spirit. So what do I learn? I learn that he's... God. He's here. I don't need to worry. I don't need to fear. He will take care of me. He will see me. He will heal me. And we learn this in every single chapter. I always go back to John chapter 2. Jesus invited at a wedding. The disciples came, and Mary's there, and we all know the story. And that's just John chapter 2. 
When you go, John chapter 1 is so glorious. And then John chapter 2, but verse 11 says, and he manifested his glory when he turned the water into wine. God defying the laws of physics. Christ defying the laws of physics that he created. Making wine with no time of fermentation or raw material, grapes. But God is God. And he manifested his glory. And his disciples believed. And I pray for you that God would manifest his glory. And you will see and you will have eyes to see. And you will believe. And in John 3, the Holy Spirit is introduced. In John 1, I mean, the triune God is all through the Bible too. Every chapter and verse is teaching us. And in John 3, the wind of the Spirit and being born of the Spirit is introduced. The book is a miraculous account of God dealing with us be blessed, be made whole. I pray that today your life changes all because you've heard the word of the Lord. Amen. I so appreciate the word that Shadi was sharing today. How wonderful is this merciful, gracious, loving Jesus shows up and is working in people's lives when they're not even aware of it yet. Listen, before you knew him, he was touching your heart. Before you ever realized what was going on, Jesus was after you. Don't allow the guilt or the condemnation or the blame of other people to think, oh, you must have done something wrong because something bad has happened in your life. We live in a fallen world and there are challenges and hurts and pains. But we want you to know today that your Savior, your Deliverer, your Healer, your Provider, the one who makes all things new, the strength of your life and the source of your faith, the one who is the source of your joy. His name is Jesus, and he loves you, and he cares about you, and he's always here for you. I pray that you continue to tune in and join us in our services, that you can grow in your faith, that you can see your mind renewed to the will of God, that he is for you, in each and every aspect of your life. I'm sure you've made some mistakes in life. We all have. But because of the blood of Jesus, he's not holding those sins against you. Jesus came to wash those, cleanse them, and restore you and bring you to himself and bring to pass miracles needed and necessary in your life. Continue to tune in join us here as we believe God for the miraculous manifesting in any and every area where you have lack. God bless you. We'll see you here next Sunday in New Life. Thank you for joining us today. We believe that God's powerful word can bring a change in your situation and transform your life. So we encourage you to share this message to your family and friends so they too can know of the new life that God has for them. 
If you prayed to receive Jesus for the first time or was simply blessed by this message, we invite you to connect with us. Follow us on Facebook at newlife.ph, Instagram at newlife underscore ph, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, New Life Media PH. You can also email us at connect at newlife.ph. We will be so glad to hear from you. To support the ministry, please visit newlife.ph slash alabang slash give. Your generosity is greatly appreciated. God bless you.